supernatural powers. I mean, think about this. The, the deaf hear, the blind see, the dead come back to life. Uh, uh, all proof that Jesus has power over nature and mankind. Certainly no ordinary man. And yet the question is, who is Jesus? There's a story about a pastor. He's doing a children's sermon in the church service, and his object lesson is supposed to talk about squirrels. And so he gets the kids to sit down. He says, I'm going to describe something. Put your hand up when you know what it is, and you can identify it. And kids are excited. He goes, well, it lives in trees. It eats nuts. It's gray. Got a bushy tail. Kids are just looking at each other. Nothing's happening. And the pastor's starting to worry here a little bit and jumps from branch to branch and makes clattering noises and, 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 and on and on. And finally, a little boy puts his hand up very tentatively, puts it up, and the pastor's relieved. And he says, yeah, yeah, what am I talking about? And the kid looked at him and he says, well, you know, it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel to me. Jesus is the answer to everything. <laughs> he is the answer to everything, isn't he? We're in week number three here of our Lenten sermon series, and the title of it is simply, Who is Jesus? So far, we've looked at his controversial identity and then his extraordinary accessibility for us. And then we looked at all of his transformational teachings last week. And so what do you think? Who is Jesus? Do you know that's the single most important question you will ever have to answer in your life? Last breath you take here on earth, there's a one-question test. Who's Jesus? And hopefully you're all going to say, he's my Lord and Savior. But then if you say that, how do you know that? Where is the proof of that? Well, we saw that on uh, Ash Wednesday, we realized that Jesus is true God and true man. And, and so, like, the question is, how do we know that? Where's the proof? Why do we say those things? And well, Matthew 1, verse 23, simply says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So there's the man side of the equation. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But, but then how do we know he was a true man? Well, he was born, he ate, he slept, he wept, he had a human body, he suffered, he died. All things that we tend to do as human beings and so what's that about? Why did he do that? Why did he have to be a true man? Well, he came to save you. He came to take your place, to live a sinless human life on your behalf. So if that's true, then why couldn't he have just been a man? Why did he have to be true God at the same time? Well, that's so that he could overcome sin and death and the devil John 1 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus is, and he was, and he will always be true God, true man. All of history, by the way, records the fact that Jesus, the uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the man lived. All religions believe that there is a Jesus who lived and died. The question is, who is he? Did he come back to life after he died? But he's got the qualities. He has the characteristics. He has the undeniable power that only a God could have, no human could have. He knows everything. Omniscient is the word for that. He's everywhere, omnipresent. He's eternal and timeless. But today I want us to focus in on his almighty, all-powerful and omniscient life that he lived 
I want us to really focus on Jesus in his undeniably powerful nature that he has. Um, the definition of being powerful is to have possession or control of authority, to have influence over others. And then we use synonyms for this word. We use words like mighty and strong. We use words like influential, all-powerful, authoritative. So the question for you is, not Jesus, but on earth here, who's the most powerful person that you know of? Maybe a president? Maybe a military general? Maybe a bodybuilder, black belt? maybe a billionaire, maybe your boss, maybe your spouse, maybe your parents. They all have power over one segment of culture, but they can't compete with Jesus because he has all power that has been given to him. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All powerful so we have a verse that says that, but, but what other proof is that? How do we know? Well, I like to think about the fact that his name is all-powerful. Names are interesting. So you got some names that are kind of tough-sounding, like Brutus and Rocky. And then you have some that are really cute, like maybe Zoe or Bella. And then some powerful-sounding names like Maximus or Alexandra. So who do you think of when you think of a powerful name? Well, let me, let me paint you a picture here. Someone says, go do something, and you go, why? And they go, because. And you go, because why? And then they give the clicker. What do they say? Because mom says so, right? Mom's got all authority in our families. We know that. And they deserve it. They're in charge. They love us unconditionally. They have wisdom and authority. But now take that to the umpteenth level, and now you have the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ a name that knees bow when it is spoken. There's a song that I, I've always loved over the years, and it's all Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. 1779, it was written, and uh, a missionary to India wrote it. But I got to tell you, the story behind it is incredible. There's this dramatic instance here where a guy named E.P. Scott, he was a missionary in India, and he wanted to go visit a, bar a barbaric tribe there, and his family says, don't go, don't go not going to be good. He says, ah, God will protect me. I'm going. Well, he didn't even get to their village, and suddenly he's surrounded by these guys with spears, and he has no weapons. All he has is a violin. And so he closes his eyes, and he starts playing and singing, all hail the power of Jesus' name. And he's expecting to die anywhere in the middle of this song, but nothing happens. And so he starts to peek and squint out and look, and they put their spears down. And they're just staring at him in awe and curiosity. And, and they welcomed him into the tribe, and he shared the gospel, and many of them came to faith. The power of the name of Jesus. Spoken, lived, sang. It's all the power of his name. And, and where do we see that in the Bible, the power of his name? Well, Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and here it is, he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and under the earth, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we can see some proof that Jesus is all-powerful, that his name is all-powerful. Well, how about this? His love is all-powerful. What do you think of when you think of unconditional love? Are there limits to unconditional love? No, it wouldn't be unconditional. 
But Jesus gives us his unconditional love. If you've been to a funeral lately, you probably would have heard this verse, but it's really powerful saying that nothing can separate you. It says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, not height or depth, nor anything else in creation is able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How's that for powerful, powerful, unconditional love for you? wish I could point to every one of you to realize that I'm talking about you. Now, a question for you. Who would you die for? Cars racing towards someone, a bullet's being shot at someone. Who would you jump in front of and die for? I mean, think about that for a minute. Maybe a child, maybe a parent, maybe a really good friend. But let me ask you this. Would you do that for a stranger? Or how about this? Would you do that for an enemy? Jesus did. Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, the enemies of Jesus he died for. Rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. God loves you with an unconditional, undeniable, powerful love in spite of you. And then how about his peace and rest? They're all powerful too. And when we think of the word power, I think we rarely use words like kindness and comfort and peace. And yet in reality, that's the ultimate power to change lives. And God gives them to us. One of the most comforting verses in the Bible is Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The power to give rest. Maybe you need that right now. Maybe you're sitting there right now and say, man, I need that, I need that. Then turn to Jesus. In his power, he will comfort you in your weariness. The story about a man, he falls into a pit, and he can't get out of the pit. And a subjective person comes along and says, hey, I feel for you down there, and walks away. And an objective person comes along and says, hey, it's logical that someone would fall in that pit and waves and walks away. A Pharisee says, hey, only bad people fall in pits. Confucius said, hey, if you listen to me, you wouldn't be in that pit. And they all walk away. Buddha said, hey, that pit's only a state of your mind anyway. And then a county inspector comes along and says, hey, you got a permit to dig that pit? (laughs) Self-pitying person says, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. And they all just walk by. And yet the all-powerful, all-loving Jesus Christ would reach down, take that person by the hand, and lift them out of the pit. What pit are you in right now? And Jesus got his hand there. He's just trying to lift you out of it. Is it a financial pit? Maybe an addictive pit, a health pit, relational pit, emotional pit? Jesus has the power and the compassion to help you out of that pit. And you say, sounds good, Pastor Dave, but how do I get that? Well, it's pretty easy, actually. We see in Philippians 4, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, and here it is, very simple and to the point, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What do you get if you do that? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you can have the powerful Jesus 
bring peace and comfort to your life. So his name, his love, his peace and rest, those are all proof of his all-powerfulness of who Jesus is. And yet you might be sitting there going, oh, yeah, but how about some really hard proof that I want to see? Well, how about his control over creation is all-powerful? I mean, read the Bible. The Word is the power of creation, spoken into creation. Colossians 1, what a great verse. It says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created in him, through him, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Talk about proof, proof of power over nature nature and creation. I really like this verse. It's in the message translation, but it's so simple. It just says it all. It says, everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. But again, let's get more specific because anybody can claim to be God, right? Where's the proof? Well, some of our favorite Bible stories is that proof. How about the ability to walk uh, through a, or to overcome the, the storm when it comes along. And so we see here that Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He got up, rebuked the winds and waves, and was completely calm. You imagine being there? He speaks, and the storm stops. The men were amazed, and, and, and they said, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Talk about a powerful, powerful God. If that's not enough, he walked on water. Think about that. Would you have been neat to be there and to watch that? So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out walking on the lake. That'll blow your mind a little to see that happen, huh? Disciples saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Hey, Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come out on the water. He simply said, come. That incredible story. Confirmation one year, I was dealing with a bunch of the kids, and we were talking about miracles of Jesus. And, and I thought, well, I'll pull a little quick one on them. And I said, you know what? If you guys behave for, it's a three-day week, three weekend, uh, three weekend that we had. If you behave, on the last day, I'm going to walk on water for you. I'll show you who I am. And so they behaved pretty well. It's the last day. I went into the other room, and I got two of those little 16-ounce bottles of water, and I duct-taped them to the bottom of my shoe. And I kind of rollerbladed on in on these things. Of course, the kids just rolled their eyes. I almost broke my neck because I don't have the power to walk on water. But Jesus alone does. So what's your favorite miracle that Jesus has performed? Maybe it's turning water into wine. I mean, think about this one. He told them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it came from, though the servants who drew the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside. He says, hey, everybody brings the choice wine first and then cheaper wine after the guests have too much to drink. But you saved the best for now. And I don't read this wrong. He's not going to tend bar at your next social event for you. Now, my favorite of those miracles and those proofs of who Jesus is is when he fed 5,000 men plus their families I mean, think about this picture. There they are in the middle of nowhere, 5,000 men and their families. It's late. They're hungry. 
No Big Macs to go get at McDonald's. And what does Jesus do? Well, in Matthew 14, Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Their answer is, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate, and they were satisfied. Disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, this is a neat story because it shows his power, but it also shows his concern for the people. And, of course, I could go on for hours and hours and hours. The Bible's full of proof of his power that he has to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, remove uh, demons from people, raise the dead. And, by the way, all done publicly. This wasn't something one person saw hidden in a room. Done in front of lots of people. Jesus' victory over sin, death, and the devil. Now, there's something that's important, right? He has power over everything, including death. The verse in 1 Corinthians, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Well, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we, you, can have victory Want some more proof? Well, it goes on then, because his resurrection is powerful. Was that just a hoax? Was Easter just a hoax? No, it wasn't a hoax. Lots and lots of people saw him. Remember this verse when you're talking to people, trying to help them understand. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, I received what I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for the sins according to Scripture. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to scriptures, Easter morning. And here it is. Then he appeared to Cephas in the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are living, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me, one abnormally born. The power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead for all to see his power over sin and temptation. And then, why is that important? Because his forgiveness of your sins. Put your name where that word our is. The forgiveness of Dave's sin is powerful, powerful, powerful. Now, how do you get that? You say, well, I want some of that. Pretty simple, really. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Can't get any simpler than that, right? If we confess our sins, He's just, he'll forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. See, there's power in the law also. The law says the wage of sin is death. You've sinned, I've sinned. We all deserve death and separation from God. But now the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel fulfills that law for you and for me. And then finally, his plan for you is all powerful. Now you might be squirming going, wait, you know, I got to do something here. Well, you should be responding to him. This all-powerful, all-loving God forgives you so that you can glorify him. So let's look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. That's cool, right? But then it goes on, the next verse, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You ever think about that? 
We're saved so that we can go out and serve the Lord and glorify the Lord and share the message with other people. So we've seen the proof that Jesus is all-powerful, and he wants to bring that into your life. And yet sometimes you say, eh, I'm a little nervous about that going out and doing stuff. So I want you to read this verse with me. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He sends you out, but with his undeniable power to accomplish his will in your life. I wanted to end this message, which I think is a neat paradox of this God-man, this all-powerful but all-loving and humble man, and why did he come to earth? Why did he die in our place? Well, this is 1,600 years old, what I'm going to read you. It's from Gregory, the Archbishop of Constantinople. Listen, he began his ministry by being hungry, yet he's the bread of life. He ended his earthly ministry being thirsty, yet he's the living water. He was weary, yet he's our rest. He paid tribute, yet he's the king. He was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. He wept, yet he wipes away our tears. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, and yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to slaughter, yet he's the good shepherd. Jesus died, and yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. The undeniable, powerful love of Jesus Christ for you individually. A couple action steps that I hope I've inspired you to take. First one is, are you ready to say I'm going to praise the powerful name of Jesus and use it to his glory? First of all, are you going to use his name in a reverent way? Second of all, are you going to get into his word so that you can understand his power? Second, are you ready to say I'll turn to Jesus for my rest and comfort? If you've got burdens, folks, he's the one to turn them to. Present those to him and let cast your anxiety to him. And then number three, I'll seek Jesus' will in my life. He's got a plan for you. Have you ever sat quietly and asked him what that plan might be? Lord, thanks for showing us your undeniable power, power of your name. It's a name above all names, the power of your unconditional love for us, the peace you offer us in your word, and, and for showing us your power over creation and the laws of nature and even life and death. And then most importantly, the undeniable power of your resurrection, your forgiveness of sins. And then that power that's going to work in and through us to accomplish your plans. Amen.